Hey everyone, I'm L. Jones, host of An Average Fan Podcast and the In-N-Out Hoops Podcast. You can find these shows currently streaming right now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Amazon Music. Number one rule, continue, and always remember to rate, like, and subscribe to get notifications on when new episodes are out. Now, everybody, the moment you've been waiting on. The show. This is An Average Fan Podcast with your host, L. Jones. We ain't coming no more. Y'all heard Dion? Y'all heard Dion? Y'all heard Colorado? Y'all heard how fired up they are? Sorry, Prime, I had to do it to you again. Man, gets me hype every time. Welcome back to an average fan podcast. Your host, L. Jones. Back at it. Week one did not disappoint at all. Look, week one was so intriguing, right? I saw Butch Jones really on the sidelines sobbing as Oklahoma was beating them 70 to nothing. And then you see one of his players come up, pats him on the back, consoles him. You love to see these moments, right? You love to see these moments. Team player could have easily just let him sob on the sideline, but he didn't. He let him... Let them know that, Coach, I got your back. And you love to see moments like that. Also, moments we love to see. Do we remember when Brian Kelly publicly stated that they were going to beat the heck out of Florida State? Yep. Bulletin board material is overrated until they're talking directly to you. Man, Louisville battling Georgia Tech. Go get into that. Man. Keon Coleman doing his thing. We got some of that. Y'all remember about y'all remember that Alabama quarterback battle? I want to talk a little bit about that as well. And hmm, this uh, OSU Q, QB situation. Just gonna it's gonna take a. It's so much to get into, y'all. Week one, so many headlines, so many things you can really talk about. But these are some of the things we're kind of interested in today that we're gonna cover. We had top matchups everywhere. Like I said. Really want to open it up with the Louisville battling Georgia Tech. Now, I know y'all might not have watched that game just because it is Louisville, but I'm here to tell you that was a very good game, Louisville battling Georgia Tech. I saw some things from Georgia Tech. I saw some things from Georgia Tech y'all would not believe. They might surprise you a little bit. They might surprise you a little bit. That's all I'm saying. Um... Haynes King, he he showed us some things last year when he was at A&M. He had some bright spots. Him down at Georgia Tech with Chris Winkie is, uh, I find that very interesting. I, I like that fit. I like that dyna- dynamic. And I just think Georgia Tech not running that option, like just watching them play, they look different. It looks like a different team. Got some speed out there, too. So, <clears throat> that was really good to see between Georgia Tech and Louisville. Like I said, my, my top takeaway from that game had to be Haynes King. Um, just just him doing his thing. Just going out there. Um, really just showing out. I, I loved every bit of that. I cannot lie. I cannot lie. Love these early. And that game was on Thursday. That really kicked off 
the week one uh, weekend. Now, granted, Louisville did come away with the win. You know I'm excited about that. That was my dark horse to actually go ahead and win this ACC. Um, like I said, they fell apart. They being Georgia Tech, second half fell apart. First half really was dominated, especially in that second quarter. Really got some things going their way. So I just want y'all to kind of check out this stat line for Haynes King. Even though completion percentage wasn't great, he was 19-32, 313, three tutties, one interception. The thing, obviously, you don't like to see in those who know me, even though this is the college game, we talk about it with the NFL and the pro game, you don't want your quarterback kind of being being your leading rusher, especially when he only has 53 yards. Might hence if, hey, we had a decent running back or we just had a running back that could pop that game. Uh, it'd been, been a, probably a different story, but they lose this one by five close game. Um, Plummer to transfer from Purdue coming in hey man Jeff Brom he's gonna do some things at Louisville I'm excited to see it didn't start out great but boy them boys sure they showed up in that second half and that was an awesome awesome game to watch on that that uh Aflac kickoff game on that Thursday night now now we all saw uh excuse me that was Friday night now we all saw Dion and Colorado being hyped up and I swear, 2023-2024 football season, college football season, it's going to be the hype fest. No doubt. It's going to be the hype fest because we're going to get a lot of hype this year, especially with it being the last year of the CFP. We're going to have a lot of hype. There's going to be a lot of things to be excited about. And the hype had started with the arrival of Dion at Colorado. Quite naturally, there were a lot of questions. Right? How does it translate? How do you take so many players in the transfer portal and redo your whole roster? The crazy thing about it is they know what they're dealing with in-house, right? Now, even though they let certain videos come out, right? See the videos of Dion telling telling the guys, hey, I'm bringing my luggage with me and it's Louie. Keep that in mind as we as we really go into this and talk about this. But as as we hear him kind of tell those kids that this that's something that we see right with our eyes and we're kind of like whoa you know Dion's being a little hasty here like who do who does he think he is he was just coaching at Jackson State like these are some of the things that you heard and even if you didn't hear it a lot of people felt that right and then it's this roster this team a little bit on the smaller side right how can they handle the rigors of this D1 play we're talking about a one-win team right how is Prime going to come in here? So we set over-unders at like four. And then, and then, God is so gracious to let us see what this product would look like on the field. We got to see what the hype was about. And this might have been one of the more entertaining games to kick off a college football season that we've probably ever had, we've probably ever really Got to sit down and watch, right? Shador, he he dazzled. He shined, okay? Travis Hunter playing all these snaps, playing both ways, not really affecting him. And just to think about it, Shador missed early on a couple of touchdown passes. 
Shador Statline took the headlines for the weekend. 38 of 47, 510 yards and four touchdowns. Now, granted, you would like to see them run the ball, be a little bit more balanced. But the way that that quarterback can sling it and the way that Deion trusts Shador to go out there and execute that offense is dynamic. And one thing that we're seeing, Colorado is going to have to make some adjustments defensively, right? Because when you're talking about playing a team like TCU, which will, it's going to dominate the headline, USC, y'all. It's going to dominate the headlines, right? When you're when you're going up against a Caleb Williams, when you have a Shador and a Caleb Williams, right? My theme for this show is going to be week one overreactions, right? Because we got a lot of overreactions from this week one, and that's kind of what we're delving into, right? It's a lot of hype around this Colorado team, just justifiably, right? They just went out there and beat a team who was in the national championship playing not too long ago, right? Beginning of the year. Granted, TCU doesn't have the same players, but hey, everybody said it wouldn't work at Colorado. Dion is here to prove you, and he's here to call you out and let you know that are you believers yet? Do you believe in what he was talking about? Do you believe in what he was trying to show you to get you to understand that it ain't so much about just doing it at the HBCU level, but it's about him being who he is. He has an eye for talent. He has an eye for development. He knows the guys to put it into place. So, when you have all that going on and the kids are buying in, the kids, obviously, a program. And this is another way to look at it, too. You're talking about a program in which they won one game last year. So they can't go in. They can't go much lower than that. And with the talent that they brought in, you got to at least give them two. You So, you know, they're going to it's going to be an improvement. Now, a lot of people are saying, hey, how can they challenge? But. When that Colorado offense got humming and they were able to run um, that tempo, they were putting TCU in the bind. Now, as I said, defensively, some things are going to really have to uh, – really going to have to get adjusted, y'all. Defensively, they're going to – because giving up 42 to TCU and giving up like – look, Bailey for TCU – we ran wild on him, man. He had 164 yards on the ground. That's something that you do not want to see. You give up 262 yards rushing on the ground. That is due to the size primarily of that D-line. D-line a little bit smaller. They're probably more athletic, obviously. But them being a little bit smaller, they averaged 7.1 on the ground, y'all, with four total touchdowns out of that running back room. One of them comes from Chandler Morris, the quarterback. So it's nice to see it displayed on the field. It's nice to have some data points now, right? It's nice to look at it. We don't have to assume. We don't have to conjure up the greatest takes on what we think the season is going to be like for Colorado. Now we know. We have a starting point, right? Defensive. I believe the defense will come around. But with the way their schedule is, they're going to have to bring it. And this is something a lot of people are talking about now. Uh, their next couple of games is, you know, you got Nebraska, Colorado State, Oregon, and USC in, in that order. So it, it's a build. It ain't nothing light, okay? 
So this Nebraska game should be very interesting, but I do believe that Colorado playing a similar style to what they played in, they should be able to win that game convincingly. So they should be 3-0 and going into a game against Oregon in which, my, might I say, it's going to be very dynamic. And then the following week you get USC. Like I said, it's going to be a lot of um, premature Heisman talk, even though people are going to feel like it's well-deserved. There's going to be a lot of Heisman talk around that game. Speaking of Heisman talk, Belitnikov talk. Now, I'm not talking about Marvin Harrison. We'll get to him a little bit later. I'm talking about Keon Coleman. What Keon Coleman did last night was put the world on notice, including Mel Tucker. Including Mel Tucker. Yes, I said it. Including Mel Tucker because... Mel Tucker let this man leave out of East Lansing. Transferred, right? This is what happened when the quarterback really is not good and the receiver really doesn't want to play with that type of quarterback. You get a guy who transfers. Let me tell you about his night, y'all. Nine receptions, 122 yards, and three touchdowns. Arguably the big mismatch. Now you know you got Johnny Wilson, right? on the other side, but Keon lined him up in different spots. He was able to take advantage, bigger, stronger than some of these DBs from LSU. It was like good night. Like once he was able to kind of get, I don't know, arms length away from the DB, even if he wasn't and the DB was in his chest, he was still racking in balls. So it's good to see Jordan Travis, man, you got to feel great about having that because why offensively, this could be a very dominant team. Now, obviously, I sound like Captain Obvious, right? But you just look at it. What did they bring back from last year that you really like? You're talking about the rushing game. You're talking about your Trey Benson. You love that, right? You love bringing him back. You get a total as a team of 135 rushing yards, right? Now, granted, you're going to have to pick this up. This is going to have to be a little bit better. But obviously, your strength is going to be your passing game at 359 passing yards for a team. You got Johnny Wilson going over 100, Keon Coleman going over 100. And then you got to look at the transfer from South Carolina, Jaheim Bell. Big pickup. Big pickup. I'm telling you. Um, Tua Feely, once he gets his legs under him and he gets to running that ball more consistently, they are a dangerous team. And their defense looked good last night. Defense looked good last night. Four total sacks last night um, as a team. 65 total tackles. They look good as a, as a unit. They look fast. They look like the Florida State of old. And that's what's kind of scary about it. Clemson, you're on the clock. You open up with Duke, but you're on the clock. This could be a very interesting season. Very interesting race and a very intriguing matchup coming up in the near future between these two. So, love what I saw from FSU. Now, LSU. You got to be careful. Don't write a check that your mouth can't. You don't do it. Don't do it. And that's what Brian Kelly did. What did I see with my eyes, y'all, when I watched this LSU-Florida State battle, talking about the LSU side? Now, a lot of people might disagree with me, but that's fine. That's life. They're going to have to make a quarterback change. I don't think they can get it done with Jaden Daniels. 
tremendous talent, but you might need to go to the backup. You might want to bring in us. I'm just saying. Because it was some plays that you were looking at like, Jaden, what are you doing? He had his wild plays, obviously. I just think to unlock the full potential of Malik Neighbors and the boys, you're going to have to bring in that backup quarterback. You're going to have to do it at some point. And I think Brian Kelly is going to have to have that internal talk with himself. Now, let's not say that Jaden Daniels is the reason why they lost this game. I'm just making an observation of some things they possibly need to look into moving forward, especially in that SEC, because while we're talking about quarterbacks and staying in the same division, same conference, we had heard a lot of chatter about Alabama in their QB room. It's a quarterback situation. You know, the Jalen Milrose, the Tyler Buckner's transferring in, coming over with his offensive coordinators, the um, the other backup quarterbacks you got. And then Jalen Milrow goes out and he plays lights out. And what have we heard? What what have we heard um, all summer? Alabama doesn't have a quarterback. Jalen Milrow can't throw from me to you. You know, we need to see the young Ty Simpson. We got to see somebody else. We got to we got to have somebody else come in and do their thing. Jalen Miro has already started getting those comps to Jalen Hurts. Similar style quarterback. Very physical, very strong. Dude, look, dude is built like a running back. Seven carries, 48 yards, 6.9 yard average on the ground with two tutties to go along with that. Alabama's all three of Alabama's quarterbacks who played in the game scored rushing touchdowns, y'all. Let that sink in. Let that sink in and how Nick Saban's going to beat you this year. Because when I look at it combined, they have um, 226 passing yards collectively. Milrow, 13-18, 194, three touchdowns. You can't really argue with that. Granted, it's Middle Tennessee State. But if their defense is going to play lights out and with the new rules, with the new rules of the running clock and the clock not stopping, we can see Alabama beat some teams, dare I say, the way that they used to, the 17 nothings, the because you're going to have games where it doesn't make sense. It gets sloppy, right? The execution's off. Seems like the other team's defense is ahead of Alabama's offense. And you could see some of these games in which the talent is not going to really thrust this stuff out there to where, you know, it's equated, right? These top matchups, talent gets equated. But if you're a Roll Tide fan, you're like, hey, you know, this is a bit different. But Nick showed us that he can get it done. So it's good that you have that to believe in that. Can he carry this team to the SEC crown? That's the bigger question. That's the I guess that's the crux of it, right? I'm looking at LSU. I looked at AM. I saw AM play. AM like a completely different team. They look competent yesterday. So when you look at all of this, you're like, man. 
this SEC West is going to be very intriguing because if you get a good defense out there who kind of shuts down that passing and you got some guys who aren't scared to make business decisions, because let's be honest, tackling Jalen Milrow is probably the equivalent of tackling, tackling Derrick Henry. If you haven't seen Jalen Milrow, I suggest you go check it out. So QB situations playing out in week one, man. It's, it's kind of been taking over. I'll give you another example. Ohio State, known for being a juggernaut because of the wide receiver room, the quarterback development under Ryan Day, Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, all these guys going first round. He's just been turning them out. Fan base has told us they trust Ryan Day. Until the product hits the field, right? It, I trust Ryan. Until otherwise, like you, you hear all the statements, you see it on social. I trust Ryan Day. I know, I know what Ryan can do. And then, and then, because in my eyes, right, and I'm no, no, I'm not nobody. But just been watching this game for a long time. You do not have to be a savant of football or very astute to know when a coach is going conservative. And then when a coach comes out and he tells you that he went conservative, well, well, damn, you have nothing else to assume. It is obvious, right? It's blatant. Here at an Average Fan Podcast, we really try to, we try to get into it, but not too deep, right? This one's simple. He got conservative because he's not 100% sure of what he has, but he should be, Right? Kyle McCord, former five-star, right? The guy who was, quote-unquote, picked over J.J. McCarthy, right? Because they, hey, J.J. wanted to be in a Buckeye. But here it is. You got Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison's former teammate. Everybody said that it, it made a world of a difference, right? Hey, he's got, that, he's got that rapport with Marvin. It does not matter if your coach is calling something that you're not really on the same page as your receiver with. So if you and Marvin are used to five-yard digs, so seven-yard outs, coach is calling something different, deep posts, whatever, throws you off. What else will throw you off, beside the play calling, is a very young line who has just been put together. Now, you have a lot of factors boiling into this, right? And then we were told that it was going to be two quarterbacks playing significant amount of reps. Well, we saw one get majority of the reps and the other kind of just get thrown in in a situation similar to, I don't know, your Justin Fields. Does it kind of feel like how Justin Fields was done at Georgia? I think Justin played a little bit more. It's just that... UGA was not trying to play that play that guy at that time. So, Ohio State wins this game. They don't cover the spread. They don't they don't cover, right? And Buckeye fans don't they're mad. They're mad. Never mind that the defense held Indiana to three points. They're upset because their quarterback they don't believe he 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 looks the part. And not only do they not believe that he looks the part, 
they they want to see how should I say this? They they want to see the backups. It's not just backup quarterback, backup running back too. And the backup running back part, I agree with. Love Travion Henderson, right? Love what he is able to do, the the type of skill set he brings. Now I'm about to put on the coach's hat. I'm got to I'm about to be the guy who makes other people mad when they say this. Look, Trey is a supreme talent. But I feel like until they get this line situated and know which direction, because to me, Ohio State right now has no identity. They have no identity of who they want to be. They don't know if they want to be a running team or a passing team. They just know they have to run the ball to not put pressure on the quarterback. So they know that he wants to pass, but this identity now seems conflicted. They did something that was very good for them and beneficial for them but could cause a problem if not handled right. Their best back is arguably their four-string running back in Chip Trainer. Dallin Hayden has talent, but even he didn't get in the game extensively on, on Saturday. And then on top of that, even though Maya Williams has two touchdowns, they were both short scores after being set up by Chip Trainer. Travion's hot, his talent, his ceiling makes him RB1. But when you're starting to look now at the last couple of games of last season, seeing Chip put run, and then now you're seeing Chip training being thrusted out there. And the one thing I give Ryan Day credit for, which I did see somebody on social talk about, is something I, I've been saying to myself during the offseason, ever since they couldn't find a place for Chip and they brought him back into the running back room with no Mitch Rossi. Put him at that fullback position and start running some some diamond set, some pistol. Start running something different with these guys because you got a dynamic running back room. And Chip kind of showed you he has hands too, and he's able to catch the ball out the backfield. Cal McCord did drop a dime on the sideline to uh Mayan Williams. But quarterback battle, man, they're upset. People are upset. It's not a good day when you score 23 points against the Indiana in Columbus if you're a fan of the team. And not only that. People don't like it because Kyle McCord went 20 of 33 for 233, 239 yards, excuse me, and one interception, zero touchdowns. They did not like that. Buckeye fans, it'll be okay. Look, it's going to be one of those seasons until Ryan Day decides that he's going to call the plays and let the reins go. This is why, in my opinion, the Penn State games are always close. And the Michigan games, as of late, have been close. Because in year one, when he had Justin Fields and he went into Ann Arbor, this was not an issue. This was a non-factor. He started coddling these quarterbacks a little bit different as far as not really letting them go off. Right? We saw extensively with CJ just the athleticism that CJ had, but the willingness to run wasn't there, and we all questioned CJ. Like, CJ, you got to be able to run. But you got to be able to earn Ryan's trust, it seems like, too. So it'd be interesting to see if any of these quarterbacks can really earn Ryan's trust so they can get this offense moving. Now, I like the route that they're going running-wise. Hey, look, to me, Ohio State was balanced. And I think that's what really got it done. You got 237 in the air and 143 on the ground. Granted, you don't have nothing. You're playing three different running backs, basically. 
Travion gets the most totes. He had 12 carries for 47 yards. They tried to incorporate some Omeka in there on some in-around passes. Even Kyle McCord showing the legs. He was willing, right, to get dirty. But then he had one where he took the wrong gap. He could have walked in for a touchdown, but instead he took the wrong gap. And then Joker got like a yard on a drive that stalls out. So these are things that they have to clean up. It's on film. But they just got to do better, man. Got to do better. University of Michigan, they want their head coach back. And they went on to stifle East Carolina. Wearing the free Harbaugh shirts, coming in. I can go down the road with this, but I'm not. I feel them, and I understand that they want their, their coach back. This is a self-imposed three-game sanction, so I'm pretty sure they can just go talk to the coach when they want to. This was all after the NCAA rejected the four-game uh, self-imposed suspension earlier. Michigan is going to be Michigan. One thing we saw was J.J. McCarthy. Dice, he was cutting them up. He was cutting them up. And now people are talking, and they're saying that based on Saturday, Roman Wilson, he might be a better wide receiver than Marvin Harrison Jr. this year. Y'all, you can't make this stuff up now. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. After the day he had, after the day he had, what did he do, y'all? Roman Wilson. Six receptions, 78 yards, three touchdowns in game one. J.J. McCarthy was 26 of 30 for 280 and three touchdowns. So we're going to see, especially in this Big Ten, we're going to hear a lot of chatter. We're going to see a lot back and forth. This is going to be a very interesting season for both of these teams. One thing I'm really hyped about, though, Drake May might have a defense. The Battle of the Carolinas, North Carolina, South Carolina. Did y'all see that uh, post-game exchange between Beamer and Mac? Man, Mac Brown choked the man. What the? <laughs> Mac Brown, what are you doing, man? You can't just be going around just putting your hands on everybody's neck like that, dude. Guess it comes with older age. I don't know. That was weird, though. You would have thought Matt Brown lost the game or something. He choked that man out, man. Hey, good game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you come here, you little mother. Damn. So, that was a good game, too. Spencer Rattler. Hey, South Carolina has a lot to look forward to. But they're going to have to play more consistent on both sides of the ball. That's obvious. That's obvious, right? But damn, they got to get that old line cleaned up. Why? Because UNC had nine sacks on the night. Nine of them guys. Nine. Spencer Rattler was 30 or 39 for 353, but none of that really mattered. And you know what else was sad about the night? If you're a South Carolina fan, you Yeah, I know. You wish you kept Jaheen Bell. He was doing his thing. You only had 30. Oh, excuse me. You only had 
31 carries, right? 31 carries for all your running backs. Negative two yards on the night. You can't make this up. 31 carries for negative two yards. Your leading rusher had 12 carries for 23 yards. 1.9 average. Goodness gracious. What are we doing here? Got to be better. South Hey, South Carolina, you got a gauntlet. You already know what you're going up against in the SEC East. And with Florida being possibly down this year, as we saw them taking that L to Utah, right? Florida being down this year. And you know what Tennessee with Joe Milton will probably be. This is like your best chances you're going to have because where do you transition to once Rattler is gone? And if you have no run game, well, I mean, none of that, none of that other stuff really matters. But the nine sacks, that was just horrible. I mean, got to do better. You got to do better. And Drake May, man, still operating like a pro's pro. He didn't have nothing that really wild you. He had two interceptions. I mean, eh, you really want to clean that up. But a 28-32, 269, and two touchdowns, two interceptions. But it's just his ability to go out there, take the runs when he needs to, maneuver in the pocket. And that's what was really dynamic about him and a lot of other quarterbacks that we saw on Saturday. Just the ability to maneuver in the pocket, whether it's stepping up or stepping to the side to get yourself a clean look, evading the pressure, whatever it may be. We're seeing a lot more of that, a lot more of that dual capability. And it's very it's very good for the game. And it's very dangerous for defenses. Obviously, you got to account for the quarterback's legs. It makes it that much harder, especially when you got that guy who can hold you because of his ability to pass. The equivalent of this is like a Steph Curry, right? Knockdown shooter, but if he's if he's got the three going and he's got the dribble drive going as well, it makes it that much harder for you to kind of know what he's going to do, especially when he gets it going. So it's kind of similar with Drake May. It's kind of definitely similar with your Caleb Williams of the world where they're able to kind of, you know they can sling it, but at the same time you can't turn your back on them because they will eat you up with their legs. This is the game of college football we live in right now. So how y'all feeling about week one, man? How y'all feeling? I don't like the clock, right? It still feels like the game ain't going no faster. Obviously, Chip Kelly summed it up best. We just get more commercials. That's it. So this has been your host, L. Jones, Average Fan Podcast. Rate, like, and subscribe. Share the pod. Get it out there. Help the growth. Let's get this, let's get this podcast moving on to bigger and better things. I'll see you later. We out.